Hey there, and welcome to the Sermon Podcast for Timberlake Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Our mission is to reach, feed, and release people to be the hands and feet of Jesus. You can learn more at our website, TimberlakeUMC.org. We hope you enjoy today's message. How many of you, when you were growing up, dinner at the table was a usual and expected event at your home? Yeah, me too. Me too. When I was growing up, mom made dinner and dad came home from work and the kids were out playing and mom would flick the front porch light and that meant come in, come in for dinner. And I didn't appreciate then, but what I appreciate now is just how important that was, just how formative that experience was, not just for my relationship with my family, but also for my relationship with the Lord to come to the table. And I don't want to come across like the grumpy old man, right? Like back in my day, everything was better. Of course, not everything was better back in the day, uh, but it was good, and there was a lot of wisdom in the idea of family dinner. One of the great blessings of the past couple of years is that in my family, we have reclaimed this practice of eating together, and it's been so good for my soul to sit with my wife and my children at the table, and there's prayer, and there's joking, and there's teasing, and there's confession, and there's encouragement and we share our lives. And, and as life gets, starts to get busy again just now uh, with activities and work and school, I'm very aware, friends, that one of the great enemies of our faith is busyness. One of the great enemies of our faith is busyness. And all the things that we do, these are good things, right? Uh, gymnastics and dance and school and work, these are good things. And yet even good things have the power to distract us from our relationship with the Lord let me put it like this. Uh, there's a very small chance that my daughter would be offered a ballet scholarship in college, but there's a 100% chance that one day she will stand before the Lord and she will give an account for her life. And as her father, I will give an account for her life and for my role as her father. So I want to continually be asking, what is pleasing to the Lord? Not just what's pleasing to my kids or myself, what's pleasing to the Lord. Friends, one of the things that's pleasing to the Lord is for his people to eat together, to come to the table and to feast. Jesus, if you read in the Gospels, he was always sitting at table with people. And so I'm very excited today about the launch of our new sermon series. It's called Set the Table. We're talking about reclaiming the importance of eating together because when we read in the Gospels, we see that Jesus was always eating with people. And now we know that eating is more than food and it is more than filling our bellies. Bread and wine are to us the body and blood of Jesus. The theological idea of the table is expansive. It is powerful. And so for Lent this year, we're going to read through the gospel of Luke. And we're going to take a look at the stories of Jesus eating with people. So today is the first Sunday of Lent. For how many of you is Lent a relatively new idea? You're kind of fresh to this idea of Lent. It's okay to admit it. Every year, every year there's several of us. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. That is so good. One of the greatest blessings of my ministry is to get to introduce people to the richness of the experience of setting aside a season of days to come closer to the Lord. What is Lent, friends? Lent is a season of 40 days that goes from Ash Wednesday to Easter. And if you count on your calendar, you'll notice it's actually 46 days because we do not count the Sundays in the count of the 40 for Lent. And that is because Sundays are feast days. 
Every Sunday is a miniature Easter, and so the, the penitential mood of Lent is lifted just a little bit on Sundays. If Lent feels heavy to you, it's because this is the season of remembering our sin and our mortality. And those are heavy topics, isn't it? It's a heavy thing to acknowledge that we are evil and that we are going to die, right? No one wants to talk about those things really, but here's the good news. In Jesus Christ, there is forgiveness of your sin and there is eternal life. And so we take the bad with the good, don't we? And we confess our sin and we claim and cling to the cross of Jesus Christ. The word Lent literally means spring, like a flower blooming. The season reminds us that there is a rebirth. There is a new birth in Jesus Christ. I've heard some Christians say, oh, well, we, in my church, we don't observe Lent because Lent is not in the Bible. Friends, that is silliness. Uh, the word Lent is not in the Bible, but neither is the word Trinity, and yet they are biblical ideas, right? The idea for Lent comes right out of the Gospel of Luke. Jesus took 40 days to fast and pray and to prepare himself for his ministry, to commune with his heavenly Father. And so the church takes 40 days every spring to set aside for fasting and prayer. So let's read the story. That is our basis for Lent. And if you have your Bible, turn to Luke 4. We're going to read verses 1 through 13. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. As always, you can follow along on the screen as I read. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, it is written, one does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, to you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to protect you. And on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished Every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, Pastor, I thought you said we were talking about eating, and you have read to us a story about not eating. We pulled the old switcheroo, didn't we? It's strange that at the beginning of a gospel that is full of stories about eating, Jesus takes this time to not Eat. And let me suggest to you, friends, this is exactly how it goes in God's upside-down kingdom. In God's kingdom, uh, the poor are rich. In God's kingdom, the last are first. In God's kingdom, new life happens through suffering and death. The Christian life is a rhythm of feasting and fasting. And may I suggest to you that we have gotten quite good at the one and maybe the other we could use a little work on. What do you think? Yes? 
<laughs> Fasting is one of the most biblical practices in, in, in the whole scripture, and yet it's also one of the most neglected in the Christian church today. All sorts of people in the Bible fasted. Moses, David, Elijah, Esther, Daniel, Anna, Paul, and of course, our beloved Lord Jesus. And yet, many of us have never tried fasting. How many of you have ever fasted before for spiritual reasons? A few of us. Okay, good. I appreciate your honesty. So you're in the right place today because we are going to talk about fasting. We're going to talk about fasting, friends. I think one of the reasons that we don't practice fasting is our culture doesn't leave a lot of room for it. Right? When you can get a cheeseburger any time of day or night, when your pantry and mine are overflowing with more food than what we could eat in a month, right? there's not a lot of room in our minds and hearts for this idea of, of going without. We live in a world of instant gratification, don't we? Do you remember the day when if you wanted to watch a TV show, you had to be in front of the TV at a certain time and a certain day? And, and kids today don't know the struggle of running to the bathroom or the kitchen for a snack during the commercial and then running back to make sure you didn't miss. The show's on, hurry up, right? Now you just push a button and you can start it and stop it. The ways of Jesus are so very strange to the world, friends. Remember that God's kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. So let's have a little teaching time today. This is Fasting 101. This is Fasting 101. I want to invite you to practice this as one of your Lenten disciplines. What is fasting? Question for the first. What is fasting? Simply put, fasting is abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. Now, you can also abstain from other things, and we'll talk about that, but fasting is abstaining from something for spiritual purposes. There are medical-based reasons to fast. There are uh, fitness-based reasons to fast, and those are well and good, uh, but this is not what we are talking about, friends. Spiritual fasting is not a weight loss program, okay? Fasting is an acknowledgement that we are not only material beings, we are also spiritual beings. We are souls. We have souls, and God cares about not just your body, but also your soul. It is the call of God to the people during the season of Lent to practice self-denial, right? Some of us are in the habit of, if it feels good, do it, and don't wait. But the Bible calls us to self-denial. Deny yourself and take up your cross and follow Jesus. Jesus said, we do not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so fasting is learning to rely on the word of God. Why would I do this? Good question. Why in the world, pastor, would I engage in fasting? Friends, fasting is nothing more and nothing less than communion with God. Spiritual practices we sometimes call a means of grace. So baptism, communion, prayer, Bible study, fasting are a means of grace. In other words, ways that we tap into and access the grace of God for us. Why would you fast? Well, you might fast because Jesus assumed you would. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus said to his disciples, when you fast, and then he gave instructions. He didn't say if you fast. He didn't say if it's convenient or if you want to. He said when you fast, he assumed his followers would do it. Here's another reason why we would fast, friends. I'll tell you with a story. Story goes of two lumberjacks. There was a grizzled old veteran, and there was a young, strong rookie. And the new guy, the rookie, was young and tough and limber, but the veteran, he was wise and savvy. 
And so wanting to prove his toughness, the young lumberjack challenged the older one to a contest. And he said, old man, you've been chopping down trees for years, but I bet I can beat you. Let's have a contest Monday through Friday. We'll see who can cut down more trees. And so the old man agreed. And every day from morning until nighttime, the two of them went out into the woods and they worked with all their might to chop down tree after tree after tree. Except in the middle of the day, every day that week, the old man left the forest and he went home for about an hour during the lunch break. And then he would come back and continue working. And believe it or not, every day that week, the old man whipped the young man. He chopped down far more trees. And not only that, he chopped down far more trees, even though he took a break of an hour in the middle of the day. And the young man was so frustrated, he said, I can't believe this. How how could you beat me so badly, not only cutting down more trees, but more trees in less time? The young man said, the secret's in, in the lunchtime break, isn't it? And the old man grinned. And the young man said, old man, what were you doing during the lunch hour? And the old man said, Sharpening my axe. (laughs) Friends, we need to sharpen the axe, don't we? We need to sharpen the axe of faith. Fasting is a way to sharpen your faith, to come in intimacy with God, your Father, to take a break from the craziness and the hard work of the world and say, this matters. My relationship with the Lord matters. How long should I go for? How long should you fast for? Friends, start small. If this is your first time, learn to walk before you can run. Try skipping one meal or try skipping two meals. Consider a 24-hour fast once a week for the season of Lent. A 24-hour fast basically means skipping two meals, right? So you might have dinner on one evening, skip breakfast, skip lunch, and then have dinner again on the next evening. Um, And that would be one way to start 24 hours, one day a week for the season of Lent. Can I drink liquids? Yes, Friends, you must drink water. Please drink water. You may need to take fruit juices or other healthy drinks, um, but do not give up water, please. What should I do during the fast? Well, fasting doesn't have to change your daily routines and habits like work and rest and family time. And at first, when you get into fasting, what I notice is we're very fascinated with the physical aspects of the practice, but also I want you to notice the heart. Notice the spiritual aspects, because outwardly you will be doing the things you normally do. You'll be driving your car, you'll be reading books, you'll be visiting with your family, you'll be going to work or attending to the garden, but inwardly, inwardly you will be worshiping the Lord. You will be adoring the Lord, you will be talking to the Lord and listening to the Lord. And when you feel hungry, you should pray. When you feel hungry during your fast, that is a reminder to pray. It's a reminder to be thankful that you don't have to go without food, that God has provided for you. It's a reminder that there are some people in this world who fast, but not by choice because they don't have enough food on their table. And so it's a reminder to focus on these things. What if I can't give up food? There are some people who medically or physiologically unable to give up food. If you're not sure, friends, ask your doctor. Um, But if that's you, there's no problem with that. There are plenty of other things that we can give up besides food, right? So the point is not really food. The point is we give up some earthly material blessing in order to pursue a spiritual connection with God. So what else could you give up? You could give up TV. 
You could give up your smartphone. You could give up alcohol or sweets or social media or video games or sleeping late. If you go out for lunch every day, consider packing your lunch instead. Take that money that you would have spent at a restaurant and use it to feed the hungry. Friends, there are lots and lots of ways to fast. In fact, you don't have to have a medical reason to give up other things. Have you noticed there are many things to try to take our attention from the Lord? Have you noticed there are many distractions in this life? So consider giving up some of those things so that we might focus on the Lord. The devil tempted Jesus with all sorts of things, right? And we are tempted with all sorts of things that distract us money and jobs and status and power and even our own children and grandchildren. But fasting reminds us that we are commanded to worship God and him alone. What about adding a spiritual practice? Pastor, not just taking something away, but can I add something? Yes, absolutely. Lent is a great time to not only give up something, but maybe add something. Maybe add Bible study. Maybe add journaling to your daily routine. Add some kind of service to your neighbor. One of my life group friends is going to practice the discipline of silence. And he told me about it. He said, Pastor, I'm going to read a passage of Scripture. Then I'm just going to sit in a chair for an hour and I'm going to do nothing else but listen to the Lord. And I, at first I thought, oh, please, you know, that's fine. Just sit there for an hour. And then I thought, wait a minute. When's the last time I sat in a chair and did nothing for an hour but just in the silence and listened to the Lord? What an extraordinary way to connect to God, shut out everything else and say, Lord, I'm yours. I belong to you. And listen for what God would say to you in that time. What should I notice? Friends, you may notice spiritual opposition. It's troubling, but it can be expected. A call on the name of the Lord Jesus, and Jesus will come to your aid. When Jesus fasted in the desert, he was tempted by the devil. And when we are in the wilderness, the enemy comes against us. Also, we learn, friends, in the wilderness school how to rely on God. I want you to notice your motives. Why are you fasting? Are you fasting to try to uh, impress the Lord? You don't have to impress the Lord. He loves you already. Are you trying to fast to impress people? Well, if you, if you are, then they will congratulate you and pat you on the back, and that will be your reward. Jesus says, do it in secret. Do it in secret so that your Father in heaven may reward you. Friends, most of all, notice the activity of the Holy Spirit because God speaks to us, and fasting is a way to tune your heart to the power of God's Spirit. What are the spiritual benefits of fasting? The most important spiritual benefit is intimacy with God, falling deeper and deeper in love with the God who loves you. But there are other spiritual benefits as well, like learning to be the master of your stomach instead of its servant. Hello. One of the spiritual gurus of our day is a fellow named Richard Foster. He has some wonderful teaching on spiritual disciplines. And I brought a quotation from Richard Foster I want to share with you on the spiritual benefits of fasting. Listen to this. More than any other single discipline, fasting reveals the things that control us. Woo. A wonderful benefit to the disciple who longs to be transformed into the image of Jesus. We cover up what is inside us with food and other good things. We do that, don't we? But in fasting, these things surface. Pride, anger, bitterness, jealousy, conflict, fear. We can rejoice in this knowledge because we know that healing is available through the power of Christ. 
Friends, the point of fasting is to strip away everything else, realize we don't need anything else except the Lord. What do I do if someone offers me food? Now, fasting takes a little planning. Don't schedule a lunch meeting on your day for fasting. Uh, one day I was fasting once a week um, during Lent, and it was on Thursdays, and so I would eat dinner Wednesday night, but then not eat again until Thursday night. And so Thursday morning, one of my church people had invited me over for a visit, and I went to her home, and I, no sooner did I walk in the door than she offered me coffee and donuts. And I thought, oh, here we go. So, you know, you're not supposed to tell about fasting, so I kept it to myself, and I thought, okay, I know what I'll do. I'll fast the next day instead, and I'll just receive her hospitality. And of course, I love donuts. That's my weakness. So we had coffee and donuts together, and I didn't tell her. And I thought, I'll just fast the next day. So the next morning, my dear wife let me sleep in, and she got the kids to school, and she had been out running errands. By the time I got up, she had been back in the house, and I came downstairs. She said, sweetie, guess what I got for you? Donuts. <laughs> Foiled again. <laughs> Friends, uh, fasting is not meant to be legalistic. Uh, there is grace for you. Uh, don't worry too much about the details. How do I finish my fast? Uh, if you're fasting from food, friends, um, let me encourage you, do not end your fast with a gorging on all your favorite greasy foods. I know it's tempting, you're hungry, but that will almost certainly make you feel ill. Uh, start with small portions, eat healthy food. Ending the fast feels gratifying because it feels like whatever we gave up, now that's our reward for having gone through it, right? Well, I gave up food, now I get food, and that's my reward. Friends, hopefully the rewards are far beyond these material things. When you finish your fast, don't forget the spiritual lessons that the Lord was teaching you. That's why journaling is such a good idea. You write down the things the Lord is showing you, and then you can go back to those lessons later. If you want to learn more about fasting, friends, I want to commend to you a book by Richard Foster. It's called Celebration of Discipline. Celebration of Discipline, The Path to Spiritual Growth. This is an awesome, outstanding book. Uh, there are chapters on all sorts of spiritual disciplines like prayer and meditation and silence. He has one chapter on fasting, and it is worth the whole price of the book. It's the best thing I've ever read on the practice of fasting, so I commend it to you. I also recommend to you Right Now Media. Right Now Media is a wonderful resource with all kinds of video and, and uh, content for Bible study and scripture understanding and theological understanding. And the best news, this is free for you because it has been paid for with our tithes and offerings. And so if you do not have a Right Now Media account, just call us in the church office. The number's on the screen, and we would love to set you up with a free account to have access to tens of thousands of hours of content of these kinds of things. You go on there, you search fasting, and you learn more about, about the practice. Um, as we move toward the end, I want to share with you uh, some journal entries of a woman who committed to fast once a week for several months. And I want you to notice the progression in her journal entries as she gets into the habit for the first time, but then learns to go deeper and deeper. Okay, I believe her name is Elizabeth. This is Elizabeth's journal. Journal entry number one. I felt it a great accomplishment to go a whole day without food. Congratulated myself on the fact that I found it so easy. Journal entry two. Began to see that physical endurance was hardly the goal of fasting. Okay. Was helped in this by beginning to feel hunger. Can you imagine being helped by feeling hungry? 
How about that, friends? Journal entry three. Began to relate the food fast to other areas of my life where I was more compulsive. I did not have to have my phone in my hand to be contented or to be cool in the summer or warm in the winter. Journal entry four. Reflected more on Christ's suffering and the suffering of those who are hungry and have hungry babies. Journal entry five. Six months after beginning the fast discipline, I began to see why a two-year period has been suggested. The experience changes along the way. Hunger on fast days became acute and the temptation to eat stronger. For the first time, I was using the day to find God's will for my life, began to think about what it meant to surrender. And finally, I know now that prayer and fasting must be intricately bound together. There is no other way. Do you see the progression? You know, the first journal entry is like, yes, I did it. I, I, I toughed it out. But by the end, it's, it's uh, not that at all, is it? It's what is the Lord's will for my life? It's, it's feeling hungry actually helps me to be in tune with the Lord. I want to finish today, friends, by pointing you back to what I think might be the most extraordinary part of the story of Jesus going into the wilderness. It's the matter of who led him there. Do you remember who led Jesus into the wilderness? The Spirit. The Spirit. Listen to the way the story starts. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Think about that for a second. It was the spirit that led Jesus in the wilderness. It was not the devil. Now, the devil tempted him when he was there. But it was God's Holy Spirit who led Jesus. When we think of wilderness, we think of an uncomfortable time, don't we? We think of an isolated time. And it's true that when you follow Jesus, you will suffer. Jesus said, take up your cross. But I want you to notice, friends, that the wilderness is not punishment. The wilderness is preparation. The wilderness is preparation. The Spirit leads us into the wilderness because in the wilderness, everything we are and everything we have is stripped away from us so that the only one left for us to rely on is the Lord. Let God's people say amen. Amen.